All right. Hello, and welcome to Building Your T-Shirt Empire. My name's Cole, and uh, with me, as always, is Gavin. Gavin, say hello to the people. What's up, everybody? How are you doing, Cole? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, we're kind of coming out of, like, our our slumber. Um, it feels like we still aren't, like, really going crazy. I get a lot of people talking about how they'll need things in February. How's it felt with SEPs? Are you guys getting a big inflow of art yet, or is it still slow? Yeah, actually... Uh, we had like a staff meeting yesterday and we kind of reviewed the number and it felt like super slow. Like some of yeah. the shops are just like not sending uh, work. So it feels like, yeah, it's it's actually slow. Uh, we experienced a little bit of that around the same time last year because I went back and kind of looked at what we did. And there was like a little bit of like falling from the sky type of feeling. Yeah, <laughs> this like actually this week, it felt like, man, just falling with no parachute just because there was like no uh, not that much uh, activities and stuff like that. Yeah, well, I mean, just to kind of prove we're not crazy, um, looking at the numbers from the Printavo open data, mm -hmm. um, there is historically January, February being like the worst numbers. Um on average, people are seeing an order decline. Like in our best months, the Printavo data is upwards of 200,000 orders on kind of an average month. Okay. Um, but we're seeing people hit about 140,000 orders on average um, in previous years of January, February. So it may not be worse than other years. Uh, we might have just forgot that it's a seasonal decline. Yeah. I think once you're going through it, you just don't, if you don't have that, uh, that history to back you up, mm -hmm. like it will feel scary. Mm -hmm. Like, um, cause I remember as I was going through it, I'm like, man, what's going on? Why is it so, why is it so dead? Uh, and then I remember, oh, last year, same thing happened and end of February came and we was fine. So I'm like, let's just hold on real tight, right? <laughs> I mean, it's a really good time to reach out. Like, I I don't normally kind of, like, dial for dollars. I'm not really a cold call kind of person. But yeah. um, with the free time, I'm just picking up the phone and being like, hey, like, we offer this and this. We've ordered. Yeah. You've ordered with us in the past. I just wanted to check in, see if there's other projects. I've been telling yeah. people we're doing promotional items this year. Um, and I, I'm now doing, like, a thousand umbrellas for a museum which I've never really been in charge of umbrellas in my life, but because of the promotional products that we're offering through uh, ASI, yeah. it's, it's kind of mindless. It's just like you find out that these products you never sold before are something they're looking for. And we're going to land an umbrella sale this month, uh, basically because of picking up the phone and like reaching out. Um, so it is a good time to like work on your sales game if yeah. you don't have anything to do. And then besides that, I've been overhauling the website. I don't know if you've Same done thing. this at all with SEPs, but you can just put a link to any page on your website and then tell ChatGPT to do an SEO audit. And you tell it, here's the trending keywords that I think are the best match. And it hmm. will then tell you in this section, change this to this. In this headline, change this to this. On this picture, change your meta tags, change your metadata to this, this, and this. Um, so going through and doing that is kind of eye opening because you'll have chat GPT basically tell you what you would have paid two grand to some SEO guy, uh, in the <laughs> past and chat GPT does it for free. 
So those yeah. kind of projects are good when we're slow. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we are revamping the site um, or refreshing it, putting like a new fresh uh, uh, thing to it. So uh, definitely trying to take advantage of the slow time. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Well, jumping into the news, um, I have some interesting news about probably the biggest brand uh, deal in sports history coming to an end. Um, I don't know if you noticed this, uh, but it's been pretty heavily rotated in the news the last 24 hours. Tiger Woods and Nike Golf have broken up after 27 years. Wow. Um, and his previous 10-year deal was for $200 million guaranteed. And now going into 2024, they will no longer have a partnership. Um, his popular Tiger Woods lines within Nike uh, did more than a billion dollars in sales by themselves, not to mention his advertising that he did for the brand. Um, so a pretty massive shift. There could be some argument that he's just not in his prime. So we don't know the yeah. details of this. Maybe Nike felt like he just wasn't worth $200 million again. Um, but I would love to know your thoughts, what routes you would go down if you were Tiger. Because people like Jack Nicholson, even when he was fully retired as a golfer, he still had a successful golfing line. Um, yeah. If you were Tiger, are you going to either take a deal from another brand or are you just going to go, 100% Tiger Woods golf and maybe control your own billion dollar golfing company. Yeah. I think his he is past his prime. Uh so I think it was a good run for both him and Nike. They did their thing together. Uh and if it's not making good business sense right now for both of them they it's just not making good business sense. They should look other ways. Mm -hmm. If I'm Tiger Right. Because right now he's grooming his son. I'm not sure if you've been following that. Yeah. Yeah. He's, that's cool. Yeah. He's grooming his son to become like the next the next guy. And he looks very promising. I probably would not start my own thing uh, trying to do my own line because just knowing just to get something off the ground and put the log logistic behind it, get like the distribution channel is just that in itself will just bury you no matter like how famous you are or whatever. Right. Uh, so go into another brand that already has that in place and you just happen to be the face and a name. I think for the celebrity that has like high visibility, that's the best thing to do. Just like focus on the thing that you're good at, because trying to build something else from scratch is just going to be so much of a distraction. Uh, also, why he's also losing like earning power. Yeah, I don't think you want to do that. Yeah, uh, that's that would be if if Tiger Wood, if you're listening, this is my advice to you, man. Like <laughs> he's an avid <laughs> listener. <laughs> yeah, go to go to. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure Adidas would not mind because they 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 need somebody to replace uh, some of the stars that they lost. Uh, I don't know about Reebok or whatever, so I'm pretty sure. I don't think Reebok's uh, in golf at all. I would think in golf you would be talking more like Callaway, um, TaylorMade, maybe yeah. Titleist. I don't even know if they have the money, um, but more of those like golf heavy brands, I think, is what would happen. Yeah, 
Cause you, you've seen, I've, I've actually seen a couple of other stars. They try to do that, like towards the end of their career. Like, for example, I used to, Dwayne Wade, a Miami Heat basketball player was like a big, mm-hmm. uh, I'm a huge fan of him. And he started his, his own shoe line and clothing line. I mean, I'm guessing it's doing well, but like, it's not Nike. He doesn't have like the mark, uh, marketing push like Nike. Like, for example, like you see Drake teamed up with Nike and you see Drake stuff all over just because of the power of, of Drake and Nike together. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. But I mean, regardless of what direction he goes, someone's going to have to make the clothes. I know you and me both noticed the same article this week. Um, can you give us an update on that lawsuit? Because it's pretty wild. One detail I saw was that the company was actually paying their workers as little as a dollar eighty-three in the United mm. States for Ooh. their garment workers. So Give us the details, Gavin. Yeah, so there's some problems right now. So uh, in the past, I did a story where uh, I talked about the government is cracking down uh, on just making sure that garment workers, especially in California, are being uh, properly taken care of on the money side and also just like work environment, right? So there's been some updates, right? Uh, And this is the headline. So U.S. recovered $1.1 million for Los Angeles garment workers, and they're calling this wage thefts, right? Mm -hmm. So there's 166 of these, I'm sorry, 165 of these garment workers in California, and they was victim of uh, companies taking away their money. Uh, And they worked in a sewing company in Los Angeles. So let me give you some more details about that. So there's a company alleged company, uh, name is Good Cash LLC, uh, and Good Cash LLC, Premium Quality LLC, and Premium Quality Apparel. These are the different companies uh, that are being um, sued by the government uh, to give uh, some money back to the workers. Uh, They're saying some of these workers work like 52 hours, uh, and they was only getting paid for 40 hours. So in this case, it seemed to be where it was mo- mostly the overtime that was like being scammed on. Uh, on average, the workers worked like 52 hours and would get paid 40 hours. Right. So they're being forced to pay um, these back pays. Uh, there's more that goes into it. There's a brand that's called Beyond Yoga. Uh, Beyond Yoga is being forced right now to give some money back. Uh, let me read this. It says the agreement includes an update to be on yoga's code of conduct for garment contractors and include full compliance with the Fair Labor Standard Act. So this is the act that protects uh, these folks and they're going to have to pay nearly half a million dollar in back wages. Wow. What are you thinking, man? I mean, that's crazy because I don't even know how to find an employee under 16 bucks an hour in California. Um, so I don't know who these people are that they're even putting up with it. You would think that they would just have the turnover, even if they want to be evil and screw everyone over, you would think that these people would just walk and find other jobs. So, um, it's interesting that that aspect of the industry is still like so exploitive and I'm glad somebody's actually stepping in. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's hard out there, man. It's super hard for some folks. And any job that they could get, they'll get it. And on the other side of that, the person that's providing the job, they know that it's really hard. 
So it creates that environment where uh, if you're the wrong person, you will take advantage of the person that's like in need. Right. So I think that's what's going on here, because a lot of a lot of the folks I'm I'm imagining that's working in these places are, you know, folks that's like um, uh, they working with their hands. They're not like they don't have a lot of like uh, skills, say, like yours that could just build a business. Right. So they they're looking uh, they at the mercy of these companies and uh, the companies are not using their uh, they're not properly uh, using their responsibility to take care of the people. So that's that's what's going on, I think. It'll be interesting to see how this affects pricing and also how many of these facilities will potentially just shut themselves down. Um, because that whole Made in America game of pretending that you're the more honorable company because you're Made in America, um, yeah. if it falls apart because we find out that a lot of these facilities were doing piece pricing and their entire structure is based on them basically not paying people enough. If that's yeah. true um, and now they're held to a different standard, will they just rapidly increase the made in America products pricing um, and handle it that way? Or will they do massive layoffs, shut down, switch to Mexico? Um, it'll be interesting to see how these like local garment manufacturers even deal with it. Because it's a pretty small industry out here in L.A. I mean, L.A. is probably the biggest in the country. Yeah. But compared to global production, there's very little garment creation in America. Yeah. Yeah. And to, to add on to that, so the made in America, especially in the, like on the garment manufacturing, like in my mind, that just feels like a real tough business. Right. Because mm -hmm. you're selling a commodity item. Mm -hmm. Right. And you the whole cost, right? So you could squeeze whatever little m margin that you can out of that. And if you're based in America and that's the current of the industry that you are in, that's just tough to begin with, right? Uh, paying high wages, paying, uh, if there's a market for it, like I think we spoke to we spoke to somebody on a podcast before in the past where they do make made in America and they, there is a market for it, right? There is a market. There mm -hmm. is people that's looking to pay for it. Uh, the thing is, is it a big enough market to support it? Yeah. I mean, when you look at, when you look at probably the biggest t-shirt players that are who you'd recognize as a screen printer, it's probably Bayside and Los Angeles yeah. apparel who actually work hand in hand sometimes on a lot of projects. Um, and Los Angeles apparel last time I was there, it was maybe 200 and something mm. employees. Um, so compared to those production facilities in Honduras yeah. or whatever, they're teeny yeah. tiny and their products, they're doing, um, you know, nice products, but their products are $4 more yeah. wholesale for basically the identical product. So it is just kind of a niche industry and it'll be interesting to see how it evolves with the new rules. Um, in other yeah, news, you online return, uh, online returns are a massive, massive problem. Um, even bigger than <laughs> I thought. Turns out Amazon has a return rate for clothing of 24.4%, uh, which is wild. <laughs> crazy. Um, I know my wife contributed <laughs> to at least 10% of that. She'll just buy five items and return four. She's out of her mind. And so, uh, Amazon is trying desperately to bring that number down without having to refuse returns. 
And the way they're going about it is AI technology. Mm. With their new generative AI, they're trying to create a system that will let you know how the items will fit your body um, based on your previous purchases and the reviews and commentary of the um, product mm. page. They're calling it Fit Insights. Um, it will actually account for the stretchiness in oh, the wow. fabric, the length, um, commentary about, you know, if it's too tight in the shoulder from previous reviews. Um, and it will then recommend what it thinks your size truly is, regardless of what you typically yeah. purchase. Um, so these kind of AI tools are already going mass market. Um, this one was in beta this fall, and it's now being rolled out to everyone. Um, so it's interesting to see how people are using AI in ways that hopefully just encourage um, a more profitable business, but don't necessarily replace yeah. anyone um, and aren't just killing jobs. Yeah, man. Yeah. I'm thinking right now, like, yes, my wife does return a lot of Amazon stuff too. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so maybe that could be, yeah, it's, it's a thing. It's a major thing. People just get used to buying stuff, returning it. Um, I think we did a story uh, a few months back. Google was trying something similar, uh, where if mm -hmm. you go to Google, on their product page and if it's clothing certain clothing not all of them they partnered up with some uh other big brands uh where they had like uh ai fitting right so this is like in a similar lane that amazon is doing um let's see how it works i, I haven't i i would have to look to see what the google what happened to the google thing i, I didn't go back and double check it so I'm guessing it's working because if Amazon is doing it, they might have seen what the market is doing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've also seen some uh, AI mock-up creation tools that people are doing where like you have a graphic that's loaded onto a large um, print-on-demand hmm. service, and then it's just AI applying the uh, graphic to random items. You're not actually sitting there in like Adobe and putting it on a blanket, putting it on a tote, putting it yeah. on whatever. It's just placing it after you upload only the <laughs> artwork. Um, so you could see that kind of thing where like the AI processes and puts a shirt on your body so that you can kind of see what it would look like yeah. on you, um, which is basically what Google was playing with. And it'll be interesting to see how that rolls out into our world of printers. Um, seeing different designs get placed and moved around. Um, right now, you have those kind of basic versions of a uh, mock-up designer online where you're just kind of moving a square yeah. around. Um, but potentially, you could have it where like the AI makes a suggestion and it's trying to give you the best placement of an image. And you could also pump out six different variations instantly because you're not clicking and yeah. doing it. It's just doing it for you. Um, so especially with print-on-demand, it'll be really interesting to see how people implement yeah. this. What I want to hear from you, though, Gavin, is an update on Gildan, because you have had all the good news about that uh, corporate drama. Do you, has anything new happened? Yep. So Gildan, there's a lot of um, talks coming out of Gildan, a lot of fireworks, if you want to call it that, that's coming out of Gildan. So as you know, Gildan uh, fired their CEO. Uh, their CEO was with them for 20 years uh, as a CEO. He had worked with the company for 40 years. So he was there from the beginning of the company. Uh, so he was fired late 
December, the company made a decision to hire somebody new uh, to take over. And since that has happened, there's been a huge fight, right? Uh, fight between the CEO that was um, fired. His name is Glenn Charmandy. And also a lot of the, uh, the board and a lot of investors that's in, uh, that invest in Gildan. So here's what's going on. The latest that's, thing that's going on is there's a lot of shareholders right now that are fighting to bring back the ex-CEO, right? And let me tell you who some of these investors are. So there are, looking at to this, there's an investment firm that's called Browning West. Uh, they said last year that they wanted to call a special meeting with the board. Uh, the board did not respond to that meeting uh, to talk about this firing of the CEO. And there's five other investment companies that has joined in into the fight. There's an investment company that's called Jaworski, Fraser, Turtle Creek Asset Management, Oak Cliff Capital. These um, investment um, companies have gotten together to say, hey, this was not done right. Uh, they have lost touch with their shareholders uh, for who they want to be represented. And these group of investors control nearly 35% of Gildan. So they have a lot of sway and a lot of power. Uh, but right now, the board of director of Gildan is holding strong, saying that they felt like they did their uh, their job properly and that they was losing confidence in the CEO, and that's why they made the move. Uh, so this is still ongoing uh, right now where the board, these investment companies are threatening to have all the board members uh, being, uh, being replaced. Wow. Um, that's crazy. It's, it's funny to see these unbelievably massive companies do things that just seem so so reckless. Um, you would think you'd have a better hold over your business. And I know that you have another story for us about another massive, massive company in the merch game um, now dealing with lawsuits because they essentially destroyed all of their competition. Yeah. Um, and so tell us about that. Like what's going on with Fanatics? It's kind of wild to see what's happening with their business. Yeah. So Fanatics, they are what would you want to call it? The distributor uh, of a lot of the popular merch that we know out there. Uh, for example. I mean, they they bought the exclusive rights to the NFL. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, they destroyed all of those local. You know, if you were the person who was doing things for the Dallas Cowboys, you potentially just lost all your contracts as fanatics came in and got every single team in the league. Yeah. So there is a lawsuit right now against fanatic and the NFL, right? Because of this uh, situation that you're talking about, competition is being taken out uh, by these bigger players. So this lawsuit was filed in the New York federal court and it accused NFL and all of its 32 team of conspiring with online marketplace fanatics to squash competition in the merch uh, market. And they're also uh, pushing up the price uh, for licensed uh, jerseys after they uh, remove their competition, right? So both 
competition is being hurt and also just the marketplace now because they have to pay more for it, right? So this lawsuit was uh, filed by a gentleman named Charles France and they accused the NFL of like cutting down on the number of online retailers that could actually sell NFL uh, licensed products. So if you used to be able to sell licensed product as an uh, online retailer, uh, they're going after you. Uh, so Charles France is there to save the day uh, and he's filing a <laughs> lawsuit. So it's still ongoing right now. Um, it's still ongoing right now. Yeah, I mean, I I honestly hope he stops this and Fanatics does have to have competition because if you're following the NFL at all this season, every single hat and every single item is identical. They just changed the branded logo. So you don't even have this like local flavor anymore because a Chargers hat and a Kansas City Chiefs hat will have the exact same layout, exact same banners, exact same text. And all they've changed is the colorway and the core logo. And it's it's kind of <laughs> depressing because they design 20-something hats for the year, and then they just swap the colorways for each individual team. So you don't have this local charm, and you don't have people coming in doing cool collaborations that are limited edition drops inside of the yeah. building. Um, so I hope that they do have competition come back in. I was just at a Chargers game, and... Um, they were selling $85 blue sweatshirts that had a transfer on them. And the transfer was put on in a way that you literally could like get your nail under it and like start ripping at it. And that's an $85 blue sweatshirt. And that blank sweatshirt was worth $7. And, and you're just kind of like, you know, why? Like if people were allowed to compete, they would make better yeah. stuff. But with zero competition, you're going to pay a fortune for stuff that isn't that good. And you're not going to have any of that local flavor in any of these teams anymore. Yeah. Uh, on that note, I don't know if I want to talk about the NFL right now because I'm a Dolphin fan and they suck right now. Okay. And they absolutely <laughs> yeah. suck right now. So, <laughs> well, Chargers didn't have a good year either. We were, we had a pretty horrific year. We fired our coach. It was, it was a little raw. Yeah. But yeah, definitely competition. They, uh, uh, the smaller guys, they need to be protected, make it a fair playing field mm -hmm. for uh, the smaller guys. I think it's best for everybody, right? It's best for creativity. Uh, like you said, it's best for uh, the end consumer. And maybe even these companies, because sometimes you just get too big. If you get too big, you like end up caving in on yourself, right? So uh, in some ways, it's good for even the people that's being sued as well. Yeah. I mean, it competition is is good. And when people are 100 percent kicked out, I just it's yeah. not as good. Um, speaking of a company blowing up in a space that you would not think anyone cares about. Um, have you had your daughter or anyone beg for a Stanley uh, water mug? Uh, these insulated mugs that are very similar to what Yeti has put out um, a company in Stanley that is 100 wow. years old. Um, even just as recently as a year ago, was only doing $75 million in sales. Um, I mean, they're insulated big cups for you to put, you know, your coffee in. They have gone completely wild with their yeah. social media marketing 
and their uh, output for these collaborations with people like Starbucks and Target. And they did $750 million mm. this year. They 10X'd because of their collaborations and their social yeah. media. And the person who did that was the previous CEO of Crocs that Stanley brought in for the sole purpose of making what is essentially just a big <laughs> mug hot and popular with teens, tweens, and adults that probably are on TikTok yeah. too much. It's incredible to see. That's That's You talk about mugs, right? You talk about mugs, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. I, and it's gotten to the point where, like, there's videos online that are hilarious of these girls opening a, like, Yeti for Christmas and then crying and telling their parents they have to return it because it wasn't mm -hmm. a Stanley. And what it really comes down to is these influencers are holding specific color combos and holding this weird, unique, very, very large drinkware. And they're just getting kids envious because if you don't have the right <laughs> drinkware, you can't drink water. So... um it's a lesson in branding. It's a lesson in social media. And if you are in the promotional products uh, space, you know, potentially doing some sort of limited edition promo item on a yeah. Stanley could be far more profitable than you doing it on a Yeti or a Hydro Flask, whatever yeah. other brand. Um, so if you're in the promotional product space, potentially, you know, show Stanleys to some of your clients because the demand right now is Yeah, insane. I think... If I'm correct, so I I saw something on social media and I thought it was just brilliant. So it was one of these mugs companies. I'm going to go on a limb and say it was Stanley Mug Company. There was a lady, mm -hmm. uh, their car caught on fire. And OK, yeah. so you so, so it is Stanley. So their car caught on fire. And there was still ice in the in the. Stanley. Yeah. So then the car got trashed, mm -hmm. but the Stanley survived. Right. And then mm -hmm. the it got put online and Stanley got wind of that. Stanley reached out to the lady. So there was they had like perfect time in that on that whole story. And they bought her a brand new car. Right? I was like Genius. wow, like like being able to just see that, take advantage of that win, create a lot of goodwill in the just out there in social media. I, I, I could see why oh, they, yeah. <laughs> they they went quadruple for or six seven time x what they was doing. Yeah, I mean, and it's genius to take those opportunities because you're going to get public uh, releases that cost you nothing in advertising that get tens of millions or a hundred million yeah. eyeballs for the cost of a thirty thousand dollar car. If they were advertising how they have a really nice cup. It would never go that far gotcha. in reach. Um, so them treating it as a social media play and kind of like a, a lifestyle, you know, like I'm the person with the right yeah. water cup is genius. And it's working really well for them. And the people that are engaged with those influencers care. And they're spending 45 bucks on a water yeah. cup. It's crazy. It's right. uh, I know that there's another collab that you wanted to bring up because um, you're a big Megan <laughs> the Stallion fan. What's she up to for her merch collection? I'm a huge Megan uh, the Stallion. Yeah. The? M Megan the Stallion. Yeah. So for the folks that don't know, Megan the Stallion is a rapper. Uh, she got 
she blew up. She blew up uh, really um, uh, a few years ago where she made a bunch of songs that went just viral. And once you go viral, as you know, merch is like the perfect opportunity to like capitalize on your newfound fame. And that's what she's doing. Mm-hmm. She is actually partnering with Planet Fitness to create a new merch collection, right? So it is, I saw a clip of what they're doing together. So they put together a video, they're playing it in their uh, social media and the video was just her floating on some type of purple cloud or something like that. So they're calling this like uh, like a, a workout type of um, uh, merch. It was okay, but there was a lot of people in the comment that was just messing around with uh, with Planet Fitness because Planet Fitness has a notoriously hard policy on like canceling. Like if you want to cancel your plan with Planet Fitness, they make it super hard. So there was a lot of people in the comment that was like, hey, Megan the Stallion, can you help us change the policy <laughs> with Planet Fitness? So I, I, I was reading yeah. a lot of the comments, so that was hilarious. But to go uh, more about this, uh, on this collaboration, they're doing uh, like mugs that you just talked about. They also doing some uh, just regular uh, standard merch. They're calling it real hot girl energy. That's the ha- a hashtag that they're uh, putting behind this. Um, so, yeah, uh, sounds like it's a cool thing to, for her to capitalize on her fame. And also the brand will be able to. Uh, you know, get some uh, get some cool points by being connected to her. Yeah, it's always so funny when these collaborations come out with ideas because I'll see these people that have no audience, no fame, come to me with art that they've put a ton of effort yep. into. Honestly, it looks fantastic. And then they never even make 10 mm-hmm. grand. And meanwhile, you have somebody with a bunch of eyeballs on them talking about hot girl <laughs> pants or hot girl yeah. t-shirts there's nothing about it that is difficult to produce there's nothing about it that's necessarily yeah. genius the art isn't anything that the rest of us couldn't generate but it's all about those eyeballs and it's all about an audience yeah. that's engaged and so having these merch collabs with large influencers that's where the real money's at it's not necessarily about making the best product anymore yeah yeah it's uh, it's really where there's eyeballs, like uh, I think I went to a conference one time. It was like, if, if your name is being said out in the marketplace and you look at your bank account, it also is, it tracks the same way, right? So the more attention you get, mm-hmm. the more the money in your bank account goes. So that's what, uh, that's the play right here. Uh, one. Well, speaking, oh, go ahead. Yeah, one, one last story. Um, so I thought this was cool because this is printing related and we're all printers, but it ain't the type of printing that we typically do as printers. Uh, this story is about uh, a man that was uh, sentenced to, in federal prison for two years for printing, 3D printing. And uh, he was literally printing uh, firearm and Glock switches. Right. So that's what was going on. This uh, alleged person, uh, his name is um, Franklin. Uh, no, actually, his name is Alexander Clark. So he was uh, he had a 3D printer uh, in his house. He was printing AR-15 rifle lower receivers and two machine gun 
conversion device. So I'm not much of a gun person, so I don't know too much what those are. Uh, but yeah, so part of it was taking these device that are more manual and switching them into like a automatic type of uh, weaponry. So the government went after him, uh, ATF uh, went to his house and they found a bunch of guns. They found machine guns, silencers, fire, firearm accessories, and a 3D printer that was uh, doing a lot of these things. Yeah, so man, as a printer, that could be the next thing to do, maybe. Yeah, they've had problems with that ghost gun kind of system before. Um, so it's as the technology evolves, people will always figure out a way to make yeah. something. Um, I mean, theoretically, you, you could have been casting these parts yourself already just out of molds. Um, but it's nice to see that they're actually trying to enforce it, even though it's kind of an yeah. battle. But if you want to make your company go bang, <laughs> you could come see us. <laughs> at ISS Long Beach for the simple solutions uh, to to something your print yeah. shop. What is it? To automate yeah. your print shop? Sim um, simple system and AI tools to modernize your uh, print shop. There you go. It's a mouthful. <laughs> but it's me and Gavin uh, Sunday morning, and it's going to be a fantastic class. We've been working on revising it, so even if you saw it in Fort Worth, come on out. And we'll also have a Q&A uh, at the end. So if we either left some stuff out or if you're interested in going a little more in depth than what we present, we'd love to chat with you. Um, we're also going to be doing some live podcasting at the Rock booth and at Let's the Sex booth. Um, and what I'd love to do is have a listener come do a Q&A with some of the guests. So to put you on a microphone and have you chat with somebody like a Ryan Moore or somebody like a Ross who's running all mm -hmm. of rock and have them answer your questions directly. Um, so we could get that perspective of somebody who's newer to the industry and trying to level up as quickly as possible. Um, and so I'd love to help coordinate that kind of episode when we're there live um, because our questions, sometimes we kind of know what we're going to hear when we give kind of like a leading yep. question. And so I'd love to have somebody come and do an honest episode with us um, where they're like, no, really, why would I buy this? <laughs> um, so hopefully you can come on by the booth, meet with us a little bit beforehand, and we will find somebody to do that episode live when we're doing it um, this next weekend. Because um, it's the 19th through the 21st, right? It Kevin? is 19 to the 21st, Friday through a Sunday. And yes, indeed, uh, it's going to be, well, it's planning to be an amazing show. I could already start to feel the energy. I see posts on social media about it. People are talking. A couple of people have emailed me. So people are excited, right, about going to the trade show. Uh, and for us, like Cole said, simple systems and AI tool to Modernize your print shop. This is a workshop that Cole and I are doing together. In this workshop, I'll be sharing simple systems that you could use to help save yourself time and headache. Uh, also be able to get more from your business. Uh, Cole will be sharing some of the AI tools that he's using and leveraging to make a whole lot of money in his business. Okay, that was a punchline. Um, so... <laughs> Well, not it, not, the, not not in, in January. Not apparently. in January. So yeah, so that's what the uh, this workshop is about. Uh, one thing I happen to think this workshop does really well is 
we'll give you like actual exact example. We'll share uh, what's on our laptop so you could kind of see get behind the scene. I think that's kind of like, I think that's very, very helpful for a new shop owner or even a shop owner that's going uh, as in it right now, medium to high level, just to see how somebody else is thinking about things and how somebody else is doing things. Simple tools and AI, simple system and AI tools to help modernize your screen printing shop. Go to the impression website and sign up for it uh, so we could see you there and swing by the rock booth so we could chat with you. Just uh, make friends. That's really what it's about. Just make friends, have a quick conversation. Uh, say what's up. If you heard this on the podcast, I'd love to, for you to come and say, hey, I heard this on the podcast so we can know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's always cool to actually just like build the community of, of screen printing and custom apparel yeah. in general, because these trade shows, I mean, I remember going to my first one, knowing absolutely mm -hmm. no one. And about two hours in, I was like, well, I saw the booths I wanted to see. <laughs> and then I thought I was, there was no reason to hang out. Um, but just put yourself out there and talk yeah. to everyone. You can just start walking up to people on the show floor, literally just tell them your situation, tell them what you're yeah. looking to do, tell them what you need, because this community in general is really, really open yeah. and honest. And uh, there are people out there doing $100 million a year, and there's guys in the room doing $10,000 yeah. a year. And so there's so many different life experiences to share across the board. And there are people who are like they're five years ahead of you, 10 years ahead of you, and they can help you not hit Hell those yeah. same uh, pitfalls that they fell into. And if they can jump you six months or a year into the future yep. of your business, just because you don't buy something that was a bad decision or you don't hire staff that end up being a yep. bad decision, um, that could be worth way more than anything else you get out of the trade show. So Reach out. We'd love to chat with you. And uh, hopefully we can see you at the class. Let's go. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and tell your mom about us. <laughs> Later. Bye.